Hi guys, I am Melissa and this is the Brilliant Minds podcast. I have some guests today. Hi, let me introduce myself. I am Jaylan. And I am Osman. In case you haven't watched our trailer or this is the first time you listen to us, we will introduce ourselves and our podcast again. We are Turkish and we are studying at Muşalpastan University. And this podcast will be just a school project. In this project, we will be talking about some people who contribute to math. We'll, we will try to mention their life and their contributions. Hopefully, there will be a total of six episodes and we will try to talk about a different person in each episode. As we mentioned in our trailer, in this episode, we will be talking about Pythagoras. We will talk about his life and his contributions to math. Then, let's start guys. Our first mathematician guest is Pythagoras of Samus. He is often described as the first pure mathematician. He is an extremely important figure in the development of mathematics. But we know relatively little about his mathematical achievements. We have nothing of Pythagoras' writings. He is a mysterious figure. Pythagoras' father was Nisarchus. His mother was Pythias if I pronounce them correctly, and she was a native of Samos. Nisarchus was a merchant who came from Tyre, and there is a story that he brought corn to Samos at a time of famine, and so he was granted citizenship of Samos as a mark of gratitude. As a child, Pythagoras spent his early years in Samos, but traveled widely with his father. For example, he visited Italy with his father. Wait, I noticed something. He was born in antique Greece with his land of freedom? Yes, so what is the problem with that? I don't think there is a problem. As everyone knows, in antique Greece there was really freedom. Everyone was respected to each other's ideas. So this situation helped people to say their ideas freely. And it's a big luck for Pythagoras. He had the necessary environment for self-improvement. Well, you guys made a good point. And as we see his contributions to math, we can say he improved himself. I agree with you. So let's carry on. Little is known of Pythagoras' childhood. All accounts of his physical appearance are likely to be factious. But it is known that he had a striking birthmark on his tie. He probably had two brothers, although some soldiers say that he had three. Certainly, he has well educated, learning to play the lyre, learning poetry, and to recite Homer. There were three philosophers who were to influence Pythagoras while he was a young man. One of the most important was Persides, who many described as the teacher of Pythagoras. The other two philosophers were Thales and his pupil. An ex-mender who both lived on Miletus. There are so many Latin words in this subject, right? It is really hard to pronounce sometimes. Yeah, you are right, Osman. But I guess we will need to get used to it. Anyway, it's said that Pythagoras visited Thales uh, in Miletus when he was between 18 and 20 years old. By this time, Thales was an old man and uh, although he created a strong impression on Pythagoras, he probably did not, didn't teach him a great deal. 
However, he did contribute to Pythagoras's interest in mathematics and astronomy and have advised him to travel to Egypt to learn more of uh, this subject. Thales, Papil, Anaximander lectured on Miletus and Pythagoras uh, attended these lectures. Anaximander certainly was interested in geometry and cosmology and many of his ideas would influence Pythagoras's views. Spoiler alert, Thales will be the subject of our next episode. Hey, Osman, stop! <laughs> I'm not gonna give you any information about this podcast anymore. Oops, sorry. Let's get back to our topic then. In about 535 BC, Pythagoras went to Egypt. There is some evidence to suggest that Pythagoras and Poly- Polycrates were friendly at first, and it is claimed that Pythagoras went to Egypt with a letter of introduction written by Polycrates. In fact, Polycrates had an alliance with Egypt and therefore there was a strong link between Samos and Egypt at this time. The accounts of Pythagoras' time in Egypt suggest that he visited many of the temples and took part in many discussions with the priests. It is not difficult to relate many of Pythagoras' beliefs, ones he would later impose on the society that he set up in Italy the customs that he came across in Egypt. For example, the sacrality of the Egyptian priests, their refusal to eat beans, their refusal to wear even clothes made from animal skins, and their striving for purity were all customs that Pythagoras would later adopt. Porphyry says that Pythagoras learned geometry from the Egyptians, but it is likely that he was already acquainted with geometry. Certainly after teachings from Thales and Anaximander. In 525 BC, Cambyses II, the king of Persia, invaded Egypt. Polycrates abandoned his alliance with Egypt and sent, to, sent 40 ships to join the Persian fleet against the Egyptians. After Cambyses had won the Battle of Pelusium in the Nile Delta, Egyptian resistance, resistance collapsed. Pythagoras was taken prisoner and taken to Babylon. I am Lucas writes that Pythagoras was transported by the followers of Cambyses as a prisoner of war. Whilst he was there, he gladly associated with the Magoi and was instructed in their sacred rites and learned about very mystical worship of the gods. He also reached the acme of perfection in arithmetic and music and the other mathematical sciences taught by the Babylonians. In about 520 BC, Pythagoras left Babylon and returned to Samos. Polycrates had been killed in about 522 BC and Cambyses died in the summer of 522 BC, either by committing suicide or as a result of an accident. The death of these rulers may have been a factor in Pythagoras' return to Samos, but it is nowhere explained how Pythagoras obtained his freedom. Darius of Persia had taken control of Samos after Polycrates' death, and he would have controlled the islands on Pythagoras' return. Pythagoras made a journey to Crete shortly to study the system of laws there. Back in Samos, he founded a school which was called the Sun Circle. Pythagoras left Samos and went to southern Italy in about 
518 BC, but some say much earlier. Pythagoras founded a philosophical and religious school in Croton. Pythagoras was the head of the society with an inner circle of followers known as Mathematikoi. The Mathematikoi had no personal position and were vegetarian. They were taught by Pythagoras himself and obeyed strict rules. The beliefs that Pythagoras held were... Sorry for interrupting, but can I continue? Yes, of course. The beliefs that Pythagoras held were, first, that at its its deepest level, the reality is mathematical in nature. The second one, that philosophy can be used for spiritual purification. And the third one, that the soul can rise to union with the divine. Fourth one, that certain symbols have a mystical significance. And last one, that all brothers of the order should observe strict loyalty and secrecy. Both men and women were permitted to become members of the society. In fact, several later, women Pythagoreans became famous philosophers. The outer circle of the society was known as the Akusmatik, and they lived in their own houses. They were allowed their own positions and were not required to be vegetarians. Of Pythagoras' actual work, nothing is known. His school practiced secrecy and communalism, making it hard to distinguish between the work of Pythagoras and that of his followers. Certainly, his school made outstanding contributions to mathematics, and it is possible to be fairly certain about some of Pythagoras' mathematical contributions. First, we shall be clear in what sense Pythagoras and the Mathematikoi were studying mathematics. They were not acting as a mathematics research group in a modern university or other institution. There were no open problems for them to solve, and they were not in any sense interested in trying to formulate or solve mathematical problems. Pythagoras was interested in the principles of mathematics, the concept of numbers, the concept of a triangle or other mathematical figure, and the abstract idea of a proof. In fact, today we have become so mathematically sophisticated that we fail even to recognize two as an abstract quantity. There is a remarkable step from uh, two shifts plus two shifts equals four shifts to the abstract result two plus two equals four, which applies not only to shifts but to pens, people's houses, etc. There is another step to see that the abstract notion of two is itself a thing. In some sense, every bit as real as a ship or a house. Pythagoras believed that all relations could be reduced to number relations. This generalization stemmed from Pythagoras' observations in music, mathematics, and astronomy. Pythagoras noticed that vibrating strings produced harmonious tones when the ratios of the length of the strings are whole numbers and that these ratios could be extended to other instruments. In fact, Pythagoras made remarkable contributions to the mathematical theory of music. He was a fine musician playing the lyre, and he used music to help people who were ill. Pythagoras studied properties of numbers that will be familiar to mathematicians today, such as even and odd numbers, triangular numbers, perfect numbers, etc. However, 
Pythagoras numbers had personalities that we hardly cognize as mathematics today. Of course, today we particularly remember Pythagoras for his famous geometry theorem. Although the theorem now known as Pythagoras's theorem, it was known to the Babylonians a thousand years earlier, he may have been the first to prove it. The theorem of Pythagoras is that for a right angle triangle, the square on the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the squares on the other two sides. We should note here that the Pythagoras the square on the hypotenuse would certainly not be thought of as a number multiplied by itself, but rather as a geometrical square constructed on the side. To say that the sum of the two squares is equal to a third square meant that the two squares could be cup up and resembled to form a square identical to the third square. Uh, I already got confused while saying it. <laughs> you are right. Pythagoras' society at Croton was not unaffected by political events despite his desire to stay out of politics. Pythagoras went to Delos in 513 BC to nurse his old teacher, Persides, who was dying. He remained there for a few months until the death of his friends and teacher, and then he returned to Croton. In 510 BC, Croton attacked and defeated its neighbor Cyprus, and there are certainly some suggestions that Pythagoras became involved in the dispute. Then in around 508 BC, the Pythagorean society at Croton was attacked by Cylon, a noble from Croton itself. Pythagoras escaped the Metapontum and most others say that he died there, but some are claiming that he committed suicide because of the attack on his society. The evidence is unclear as to when and where the death of Pythagoras occurred. Certainly, the Pythagorean society has expanded rapidly after 500 BC. It became political in nature and also spilled into a number of factions. Actually, as we mentioned before, the life of Pythagoras is mystery. I mean, we don't even know that where or when he died. It's kind of sad. You are right, but we know his contributions uh, not only for math, but also for music, philosophy, astronomy, etc. He is one of, one of the most significant people on Earth. I think it's so important. Yes, you are right. And Jalan, as you said, he contributed to so many fields. I think it is more important than anything else. That is all for today's episode. As I mentioned before, our next episode will be about Thales. Thanks for listening to us and see you next episode.